Alan Sanchez coming at you with the 12th episode of the Million X Girlfriends podcast. That's Dose en Espanol. Today, I don't have a script. I'm going to kind of ramble about something. But first, I want to hit you with a quick recap. Last time, I talked about, on episode 11, I talked about my dislike for Harry Potter as a character. And I talked about some things that kind of annoyed me about the Harry Potter enterprise at large. But most of it was based on how I didn't think Harry Potter is a good character. I also talked a little bit about something else. I think I talked about that Cats trailer or something like that. <clears throat> but I didn't come to any real conclusion on anything except for Harry Potter kind of sucked as a character. And also the Cats trailer looks like it's going to be more fun on drugs. And uh, always, always, always do drugs. I support drugs and the doing of drugs. So today on the podcast, I actually want to talk about how I have nothing to talk about. <clears throat> a podcast where they don't talk about anything? Well, that's actually most of all the podcasts. Like, there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to that talk about deep, important, heavy things. The Jordan Harbinger podcast... NPR's Invisibilia, the Friend Zone podcast, Kimonami's Orgasmic Enlightenment. I listen to the Rachel Maddow show as a podcast. I listen to the Ben Shapiro as a podcast because I like having both sides of the conversation. It helps me stay in the middle. I like listening to a lot of these podcasts that talk about heavy stuff, and I like thinking about heavy stuff. But I don't actually like watching myself talk about heavy stuff. I don't like watching myself in general, but I kind of got to watch myself in order to edit these things and do them, and ultimately I am creating these things because I want to see them. However, I don't like watching myself talk about heavy subjects. It, it brings me down as a viewer. And I guess it's hard to always separate myself from myself within myself. But that's that's where it is. I like to have fun. I like to talk about bullshit on this podcast. Sometimes I want to make it heavy. Other times I just don't give a shit. In in my life recently, in my personal life, there have been things going on that have just been that have made it hard to even go to work every day, but like I still I still do it. I'm not I'm not going to get lost in the sauce, you know? There's always there's always there is always a silver lining in every dark cloud or whatever that cliche is. I think that there is always, you know, sunshine on the other side of every rainstorm. I I work outside. I know how the weather works. Things get dark every now and again. And they get a little bit shitty. And guess what? They get good. That's just how, as, as sure as the weather will turn, as sure as night turns into day turns into night, it, it'll come back around. We're, we're gonna be fine. I think there is a, there is a, for some reason, human beings put more of a value on nihilism and negativity, and those are the kinds of things we like to talk about. You go 
go be negative on social media, you'll get so much traction. You will, if you're a troll who's just trying to bring people down, you can get so much attention. Milo Yiannopoulos, for Christ's sake, like you could get so much attention for just being an asshole who wants to just bring everybody down. You can get so much attention for that, and it's bullshit. But but that's that's how it is. And I don't I don't want to be negative. I kind of forgot what I was talking about. But I don't want to be negative. I want to be a positive, uplifting person. I want to bring happiness and joy into people's lives because ultimately everything that I watch or enjoy or consume or whatever brings, I'm always looking to bring more joy and happiness or certain things into my life, whether it be through movies or TV shows or music or experiences, hobbies, you know, friendships, relationships with people. I'm always trying to find a way to gain a deeper understanding of myself through other people. I think other people can be a more accurate mirror and a more accurate look into who you are as a person. Okay, now I'm just really stoned. But basically what I'm trying to say is I, 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 I strive off of that, you know, interaction with people, especially the negative ones, especially the haters, as it were. I still don't know where that camera is. I keep trying to turn to look for it, and I don't know where it is. So let me try that one more time. Haters, as it were. Oh, let me try this. Okay. Haters, as it were. Boom. You just watched how I come up with my bits, yo. I'm giving away trade secrets here, okay? That's one reason why this podcast is so fucking great. I have nothing to give, and I'm still here giving myself, because that's what's important. That's entertainment. <laughs> I'm so fucking great. <laughs> but I, I do strive on dealing with the negative people, with the haters, because... If, if people are coming at you and trying to bring you down on the internet... Well, that says more about them than it says about you. Um, I don't mind talking to and arguing with these people because conversating with people is kind of my art, but also I, I know which people to deal with and which people not to deal with. Um, somebody came at me recently on Instagram about my race. and Now, this is the thing I've always had imposter syndrome on, having a black dad growing up looking like the whitest guy that ever lived, but also you know, experiencing racism and weird little racist moments uh, because, you know, you're, you're not 100% white, as it were. It, it just, it, my, my race has always given me, my ethnicity has always given me a certain feeling when talking about these sorts of things. Like, just don't, don't, it, it almost pisses me off. However, this person came at me and I immediately, I believed all that stuff that I had been telling myself. That was the moment I realized I believed it. I am a complete whole human being, regardless of the color of my skin or what fucking genetics make me up. It doesn't matter because I, I am me. I am the culmination of all my experiences. And yeah, my, my skin color, my ethnicity have a lot to do with that. But also at the end of the day, I'm, I'm here 
for all people. And I try to use my whiteness towards that end. Um, it is it is it is a privilege when it comes to that. Like I use that to get a lot of shit done. I feel personally. <clears throat> but this person came at me, and they were saying how they were like you know Hispanic or something, but they're mostly white. And I thought to myself like, you probably have experienced racism from people either white or your own you know from your own heritage and you dealt with that by being a white person and there's nothing I'm not judging you or saying there's anything wrong with that everybody's got to do what they got to do to thrive and survive in this world and I understand that I've had it a lot easier than some people so I don't know what this person had to go through um, when it comes to their skin color or their ethnicity or their race but it seems to me like they might have they, they might be they might be doing a little bit of like the cocoa from uh, dear white people like Coco is like she's undeniably black but she's always acting white for lack of a better term straightening her hair talking with the high-pitched you know society girl voice and joining a sorority and stuff these are all her words that's in the text of the show you can watch the shit okay i'm not saying anything that wasn't already said but it seems to me that this person this man or this woman whoever it was was doing that sort of thing they they drop themselves into the place of the white person despite you know having more than that and uh, I'm probably extrapolating on this for too long but this is this is the thing I want to start a conversation about race I want to talk about race and ethnicity I am so fascinated by it because of my own experience growing up with it I, I, I want to know I want to know how is how is the color of your skin affected your life how do you think that's affected your your viewpoint and your outlook on the world. Do you think that you are limited by your skin color or your ethnicity? Or do you use that as a motivating factor? I want to know these things about people. Like I can't I can't help it. It's just it's just how I it's how I see the world. Like, yeah, I see all the people and I'm like, that's a person, that's a person, that's a person. But I also can't help but be all like Oh man, that person's black in America. Well, that person's Asian in America. Well, that person's, you know, Sudanese in America. How do you do it? I am in awe and I respect that kind of thing because it's not it's not easy. It's not easy. You know, the few the few shitty white people that I've had to deal with in my life were were not, you know, I mean, I just had like the smallest sampling of racism. I had like the, I was like walking down the aisle at the store and somebody was out with one of those tables with some toothpicks and they were like, hey, you want some racism? It comes on a stick. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. And before I knew it, they had tripped and shoved a whole cube of racism into my mouth and stabbed me in the back of the throat. And, you know, uh, that's it. I tasted racism is basically what I'm trying to get at. That's the long and the short of that fucking terrible bit. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I've had a small sampling of that. I can only imagine, 
you know, I can only imagine what that's like, you know, over a lifetime and how that affects you. And that's the thing. Racism goes just deeper, was way deeper than just the people. It goes way deeper than just the fucking people. Like, you have to keep in mind, it gets into the, the systems, too. And because the people have worked in the systems for so long, the systems are kind of inherently racist. Like the old, like law, for instance, like it used to be very skewed against anyone who wasn't white. I mean, Christ, there were anti-miscegenation laws. Books, baby. There were anti-miscegenation laws up until like 1960 goddamn seven. I mean, that's only 52 fucking years ago. Like, racism, like, racist, the, the, the racism in the institutions isn't going anywhere for a fucking while. Especially if we have lifetime appointed Supreme Court judges. Uh, what the fuck is that about? I realize I'm going on a little tangent here, but again, these are the things that... These are the conversations that need to be had. These are the things I want to talk about. Those are the things I'm fascinated in. Because I don't have any clue. I want to have my perspective widened. I want to know what your experience is and things coming from your angle. If you don't necessarily want to tell me about your past, I understand that, but tell me about your viewpoint and your outlook on the world. Is there a bright spot for you? Do you ever see the stuff going away? I mean, again, as a white guy who is, in fact, mixed ethnicity, um, I mean... I would like to hope, I would like to think I see it going away eventually because, you know, I, I am, I am the end result of a lot of, of a couple of different generations of mixing. So just because I exist, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think it's, I'd like to think that we're moving towards something better. But then again, you never really know. Because human beings are very, very hateful animals. They will find the dumbest reasons to draw a line in the sand and then fight over it. Uh, we, we basically fight over things that we come up with inside of our own heads because we're scared of death. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole history of, like, war and, like, you know fucking conquest it's like oh we must go get more land for ourselves because then we will be able to procreate and expand our influence and reproduce more uh, i guess i think about these things in these in these dark lenses because i read a lot of fucking I don't know. I don't know where that was going. If you if you followed me along on that trip uh, and you're still here with me, I applaud you because you're you're definitely stronger than I am. I couldn't have taken that. I couldn't have taken that ride. So yeah, this is the I'm not trying podcast. This is the this is the fuck it episode twelve. What is life even about? This is the. This is the, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't give a motherfucking 
shit episode. That's what episode this is. Um, I do like doing this stuff, though. <laughs> I, I've been recording now for 17 minutes, according to the display. And I almost want to pitch this, but it's already my second chance second try at this and I'm just not interested in trying again so nah, let's finish it out so let's move on to the TV segment so recently I've been watching VH1's Girl Cruise it's a celebrity reality TV show starring Chili Thomas of TLC Lil Kim and Maya Harrison. Uh, now, I started watching because of Maya. I really like Maya. I was checking the time to see if it was recording over here. I really like Maya Harrison. I think she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. There's an episode of this show where she's wearing blue lipstick and blue is not a color that should really be on any human being's face unless it's the Brockhampton face paint. But yeah, blue should not ever be on anyone's mouth. And it actually, actually, Maya didn't look bad. I, it took me a second to realize she was wearing blue lipstick. So I've been watching the show, and it's not good. Again, I've just been watching it because of the one person I find attractive. But I've been able to extract some kind of joy out of it. I've been able to find some things appealing about it. Uh, for instance, the... the there's, the, there's this... Okay. So there's this secondary cast of characters. They're like the crew members of the boat, but they're obviously actors, not very good actors. But when I say actors, they're 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 that's their job occupation. Like they're registered with the guild obviously because they have a lot of speaking time. They have a lot of talk. They have a lot of time on like they they, they got to be actors. <laughs> Especially with how bad and unconvincing some of these conversations are. Like I I don't think I don't like ugh. Anyway, the secondary cast is Chef Tobias, who's a total fuckboy, and my favorite character, Jamie, who is, like, he's gay Mr. Mosby. I don't remember what he does, but he looks like a gay Mr. Mosby, and I love him. There's Rakim, again, who does something. He's like a deckhand or, or something. He's just another good-looking, attractive guy. I mean, they're all attractive dudes. And then, who's the last guy I always forget all of their names Rakim, Tobias, Jamie and I'm always dropping things too but anyway while I look up his name I like the secondary uh, crew because they have a lot of personality I really like there's a scene where uh, Tobias and uh, Rakim are working out like at breakfast and like Pretty V and B Simone are sitting nearby and it's so obviously set up. It's so obviously fake. Because I don't care if you're on a boat. Like, you're a chef. You don't have time to be doing push-ups. Like, you just don't. <laughs> Here we go. Fun Director Rome. I always forget Rome's name. I can never forget his voice, but I can never remember his fucking name. Anyway, they're all a lot of fun. They're all, they're all fuckboys, but they're a lot of fun. Um, Maya is very natural on screen. She, she's not a great actor. She still has a very 
she's just very camera friendly. Like she just she's she's more convincing in some of the moments that are supposed to be crazy reality TV show moments. Oh, why have I been watching this show? It's crazy because like I have so many thoughts, but also I like I hate myself right now. Um. So I'm just gonna move on with the stuff I don't like. I can't. I can't right now. I'm just gonna move on to the stuff I don't like because we need some of that good old-fashioned negativity up in here, baby. So I don't like how Lil Kim always talks about Biggie. I don't. The guy's been dead for like 25 years now. Like, leave him alone. The guy's been dead for 25 years. Let him rest. Let him rest in peace. You know, let him rest in power. Stop bringing up his name to make your little fucking stupid TV show work. And also... Kim, I'm going to be mean, and I'm going to say it. You have had too much plastic surgery done to your face. It's scary looking. It doesn't look right or okay. Um, what the fuck <laughs> is all I have to say? What the fuck? What in the actual fuck, Kim? I understand, oh, don't shame beauty standards and stuff, but there's a scene in one episode where Chili and Maya are talking about, oh, there's so much expectation on youth in this industry. And they both still look amazing. You know, Chili's 46 years old and Maya just turned 40. Like, they both still look really good. They both still look amazing. And then you got fucking Kim's plasticky, blown up, pulled tight face. A good thing I can say about Lil' Kim is the moments where she talks to her daughter are pretty sweet, where she talks to her daughter on the phone are kind of sweet. But again, she can't help but bring up Biggie constantly, even when talking about her daughter, who was only born four years ago. Again, lady, I get that you knew him, but like, fuck! You're taking me out of the moment. And yeah, I don't like looking at Kim's face. That's a terrible thing for me to say, but I'm going to say it. I mean, if you've gotten some stuff done to your boobies, I guess, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever spent time, as it were, with a woman who has plastic, or at least I can tell, so. And, yeah. But, yeah. This this show is so bad. I don't know why. I don't know why I've been watching it. I'm kind of questioning my whole life now. <laughs> hey, who's a pretty cat? My cat is coming over here to try and fucking make problems for me now. She doesn't like it when I do things. She's like, hey... I am your only priority. You are to only think about me. And then as soon as I try to give her some attention, right? Because that's how cats be, right, internet? 
Hey, she drooled on something. That's cool. Oh, I got cat hair all over me now. That's lovely. Alright, so I guess I'm going to talk about some music I've been listening to lately. I don't really think I've been listening to anything new. Um, but I have like rediscovered some things lately, things that I used to like to listen to. Uh, there's a, there's a uh, punk band from the mid-90s, early 2000s called Suicide Machines. Their music is a lot of fun. Uh, their first two albums in particular have a lot of like hardcore punk to them. Their second album, very few of the songs are over two minutes long. Like they are fast bursts of like just hardcore punk rock, and I, I love that shit. But their third album, their self-titled Suicide Machines album, they skewed more towards pop sounds, and they kind of hit a good balance between pop and punk music. Like I could see this stuff coming on in the rotation between some like other shit like i get like if you were to throw on like uh, a self-titled suicide machines song in the middle of some like refused and fugazi i probably would forgive you like i wouldn't i wouldn't i'd be like hey this is different but also it's cool i like it there's a song there's a good song on there called perfect day it's just, um, it's a very sweet song. It's a love song, pretty much. Just talking about, you know, the, the choruses are just amazing. When I wake up in the morning, when the sun comes up, I want to tell you how I feel. And I feel that no one's luckier than me. I just love that. I love that, uh, that cute romantic shit. Um, yeah, I haven't been in a relationship in a particular, in a, in a moment myself. But, uh, I do appreciate a good, I do appreciate a good love song. I can't help it. You know, I I feel that, like, it's one of those perfect love songs. It's like, this song makes you so happy, this must be what it, be. this must be what it's like to truly be in love. Because it's a goofy-ass song, but they are just fully committed to it. Like, I don't even realize how kind of stupid and goofy the lyrics are, because it just feels so good. And, uh, as I said before on this podcast, love is, love is cool, love is good. Love is great. I don't remember the order of everything I said, but yeah, over here at Million Ex Girlfriends, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a rom I'm a romantic, and that's what it is. You wrote a good love song. There's another song on that album called "I Hate Everything," which is the complete opposite of the love song, but again, still kind of goofy, and like, but kind of fully committed to the goofiness. Because upon first listening, you'd be like, oh, they're yelling about being angry. What is this? What is this? But then you listen to it closer and you listen to the lyrics and you realize it's a bunch of empty macho posturing. Like it's a bunch of kind of statements about hating birds and trees and squirrels. I don't want any hugs today because I hate everything. And you realize how kind of goofy it actually is. And what it is, is it's supposed to be the moment of impotent rage in the middle of all this happy-go-lucky music. Like, there's a whole bunch of songs about just kind of being optimistic and being upbeat and having a positive outlook on life because this was 2000 when that was still a cool thing to do. 
Um, so you have all these songs about being happy and shit, and then just I Hate Everything comes as a nice break to remind you that, oh yeah, you're still going to have a bad day every now and again, but you know, you have that bad day, you get through it, and then you just fucking... You go about you go about you, you go about your day. You you move on. There's there's bright like I said. There's brightness on the other side of all things. And then at the very end of the album, there's a cover of "I Never Promised You a Rose Garden." I've never heard the original version of this song, but I like it. I like it a lot. I like this version of this song a lot. I particularly like the lyrics and the concept of like. Yeah, I could do things for you. I could give you things. But what's the point if I have to do that for you? Shouldn't you just... Shouldn't we just want to... Shouldn't we want to be in this together? I, I'm probably doing like a little bit of a, a, a shitty reading on it. I'm, I'm definitely not reading that 100% correctly. But the like the lyrics that stand out in particular to me are like... I could, now I'm forgetting all the lyrics. In fact, I'm gonna look them up real quickly because I wanna talk about these lyrics. I've been thinking about them a lot. Okay, nope. I never promised you a Rose Garden lyrics. I'm gonna find this shit. I'm doing this in real time. That's how, that's how I don't edit shit because I'm lazy. Martina McBride. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Okay. I could sing you a tune and promise you the moon, but if that's what it takes to hold you, I'd just as soon let you go. But there's one thing I want you to know. You'd better look before you leap. Still waters run deep, and there won't always be someone there to pull you out, and you know what I'm talking about. So smile for a while. Let's be jolly. Love shouldn't be so melancholy. Come along and share the good times while we can. I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden, along with the sunshine, there's gotta be a little rain sometime. And now that I know what the actual lyrics are, that perfectly describes this whole self-titled album. There's some bright spots and there's some dark spots and it all balances each other out. In fact, this is probably the most spiritual album that ever came out of the punk rock scene without being about actual spirituality. So I'm gonna go, I think I'm gonna go back and listen to this whole album again. Cause, uh, well, I'm really high and that sounds like a good idea. And then I've also been listening to The Clash again lately. It's a band I used to like when I was younger and their music's still very good on its own. So, you know, that's cool. I like, I like how they blend reggae and some of their early stuff. And I like how they moved away from like straight up punk rock later on in their career with like London Calling and Sandinista and Combat Rock. I, I do love the mashing elements of different genres of music in with punk rock and using punk rock as the backbeat. I think The Clash is probably the only band that ever did that sort of thing properly. I mean, Lord knows Green Day has tried to mix up some things and... While I do like Green Day, I think we can admit that not all of their stuff is good. Um, Insomniac, Nimrod, and Warning are all very good albums, though. But anyway, back to The Clash. 
and Joe Strummer, by the way. I, I like The Clash, and because I like the way The Clash sort of mixed different elements of music late, uh, at, through their career, I like Joe Strummer's later project, uh, The Mescaleros, and their album Street Core is just about a perfect album. I don't... It's got a little bit of everything that Joe Strummer was into, but like in his own interpretation of it, there's an acoustic interpretation of a Bob Marley song, a redemption song where Joe Strummer sings sings it low. It, um, the original song is in the key of G. Joe Strummer plays it in the key of B flat, so it's actually up three half steps. Yeah, I think. Whatever. I mean, music theorists will you music theorists will know. But so it's actually up, but he sings it down, and he has this sort of raspy like aged wisdom to the way he sings it whereas Bob Marley's was kind of like a, a crying wailing plea Joe Strummer's is an old guy is it's a guy who's been around and seen some things and he's just asking everyone to you know whatever you know he's singing the redemption song like you can you can fucking feel it there's a phone call coming in on the second screen And uh, yeah, it's got so it's got a little bit of it's got a little bit of reggae with the song "Get Down Moses." It's also got a little bit of country. Uh, the, the the song "The Long Shadow" has a little bit of a has a little bit of a Johnny Cash influence going on to it. In fact, this album was released after Joe Strummer's death in 2003. I'm pretty sure this album was made prior to, but released after his death. And then Johnny Cash died shortly later, so. That's actually really cool. I Those are both singers I actually like a lot. I have a lot of love for their music. I've been listening to Through the Roots' new album, Arrival. They're, they're a reggae band that I've been following for some time now. They're one of the first reggae bands I started listening to. I heard their song, Take You There, play randomly on YouTube one day or something. And uh, I really liked it. So I've been a, they, they took me there, and I've been a fan ever since. So yeah, check out their new album, Arrival. The song Distant Memory is really sweet. The song Catch a Flight is a great weed-smoking song. Uh, fucking there's a bunch of good love songs. Start the Clock is a song of just about getting it on, just raw, dirty sex. I love a, I love a good, dirty sex song. I, re I, really, I really do. It's true. And... I, what was uh, I've also been listening to this playlist recently that I wanna I wanna highlight spotlight. I, I mentioned the Friend Zone podcast a lot on this show. One of the hosts, Asante Davis, started his own podcast recently called "If I Were a Rapper." If you've listened to the Friend Zone podcast for a little while, you know how "If I Were a Rapper," how that you know the genesis of that, and how that came to be. Who's the fuck is playing club music below me? Anyway. Anyway, so if you listen to the Friends on podcast, you know how that came to be. I haven't listened to that podcast yet. Uh, I will at some point. I just, you know, I listen to so many things all the time. But I have been listening to the playlist that he made for that podcast called Bitch Just Listen Volume 1. And there's a lot of great songs on there. 
one that I remember in particular is a song called Special by Quincy and Ryan Adams. It's a man and a woman singing the song. The woman's named Ryan, I think, and the man is Quincy. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Uh, if I don't, sorry. Uh, but yeah, that's a very good. It's a very good song. It's very bouncy, so fun. If it comes on in the car, to try not to shake the fucking car all over the place. And uh, last thing I want to mention is I made a playlist that compiles all of MIA's albums into one. Um, MIA is a goddess, and I will die in her name. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to regret saying that, but fuck it, we're going to leave it in. Who gives a fuck? And finally, because I'm a dork who cannot help himself, I've been collecting basketball cards lately. Uh, as I said, a lot of personal stuff. And basketball cards just remind me of a, you know... Sports cards just remind me of a simpler, better time in my life. So I got this new pack recently. It's 15, you know, 2018, 2019 seasons. And uh, I haven't looked at the prices of all of them, but what I've been fascinated by is sometimes I buy these $5 packs and I find cards in them that are worth more than that. Now, these are only 2018, 2019 season cards. Um, if some of these are already worth, I mean, I have a couple that are worth, that are worth $9 each, so that's pretty cool. Um, I'm pretty sure I got one here that's like worth like $4 or something like that, 4 or $5. So, you know, that's making your money back if you bought $5 on a pack like I did. Now, there's money in the sports card industry right now because, well, as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, there's too much money in the, in the system right now because we didn't, like, properly pay the piper in 2008 2009. And he's right. But uh, because of that, there is a lot of money in these sort of chintzy bullshit industries like uh, uh, memorabilia and... Uh, you know, comics and shit, shit like that, you know, like collectibles, um, stuff that's not actually worth anything in the long run of human history right now is worth something. So I, I figure as long as the market doesn't collapse anytime soon, you know, I got to hope. So like the one, like I said, the ones that I have that are worth $9 each, I can hold on to those, hope those guys do something interesting in their careers or I could sell them now before they potentially ruin their own careers. Or sell them before the market collapses and there's no money in this shit. Because once the shit goes down, it's going down. Like, it's going down hard. <laughs> I could try to get some of, like, those older cards, like the, the 80s cards. I'm pretty sure there's, like, some, like, 2000s cards that are worth something. But there was one point there near the, near the 80s and 90s, it was the late 80s and the 90s, where there was just, there were too many sports cards so most of the sports cards from that era are not worth anything, even of the like really good players, just because there were there were so many cards. So yeah, I haven't again I haven't looked at the prices of most of these this new one yet, but I will check them out. Huh, Pau Gasol. Haven't haven't heard from him in a while. He's still around. Oh shit, LeBron. But it's a it's a white one. It's got the, uh, you see that? 
if you're watching the video. Come on, focus on the high def. The background's white, so it's not going to be worth anything. It's going to be worth it's going to be worth a dollar. Why am I showing it to the fucking security cam? Here's an example. All right. So, Dante De Vincenzo. Focus. Okay, it's not focusing. But basically, anyway, it has a white background. A white-ish background. Now that one is worth a dollar, a dollar fifty, maybe. Same card. Same guy. Blue background. Worth a couple of extra bucks. I just think that kind of stuff is interesting. Um, I'm intrigued by it. So... Even if I don't plan on selling them, I'd like I kind of want to sell them, but also I don't want to embarrass myself by letting people know I'm selling basketball cards, so I haven't fucking sold any yet. Um, I don't know. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by that shit. Buying by I'm not I'm not a hustler. I I feel bad like trying to lie to people to take their money from them, but like the concept of buying something for a dollar and selling it for two is something that's always fascinated me. It's the kind of thievery that I wish I were good at, but I'm not I'm not amoral enough to be good at it. Like I'm always thinking about other people's I'm always oh, what if she can't feed her kid? That's a weird detour to take when talking about a fun thing like sports cards, but yeah, I got a decent little collection of these uh going on now. I should have prepared, I should have got them out, shouldn't I? Oh well. Anyway, that's about everything I wanted to talk about, I think. Yeah, I like I like the sports cards. I like the show Girls Cruise. Um, whatever the fuck that stoner babble was I talked about in the first part, I already forgot. I do want to talk about one more thing. I'm going to talk about two more things, in fact. Recently on my TikTok and my Instagram... I talked about using coconut oil as a uh, as a uh, lubricant for uh, sexy time, for for fucking, for boning. It has to be the food grade stuff that you buy in the baking aisle, not the health and beauty aisle. You can't use the lotion stuff. That stuff has additives, added stuff in it that you don't want to be getting on the. It's don't want to be getting inside of anything. I uh, learned that from the podcast I mentioned earlier, Kim Anami's Orgasmic Enlightenment. So that's an interesting thing to know that I think everyone should know. Especially because I like to consider myself kind of a... I'm not... I, I'm into all natural health and remedies, but I'm not a nut about it. Honestly, I just don't have enough money or time or patience to be a, a nut about it. I just do the practical stuff. You know, a little shea butter, natural hemp soap, stuff like that. And the very last thing I want to talk about is... So, recently, I found out an old friend of mine. I found out a couple of old friends of mine. Different scenarios of their own. You know, getting married, having kids moving away, getting these uh, jobs or whatever. And 
it leaves me in this situation of it's, it leaves me in this place of sort of feeling like I got left behind for a reason and I understand and accept that because if you knew me prior to 2017 I'd say now in 2016 I feel like I started trying to get things together but you know prior to 2017 I was a very toxic ill-intentioned person I was you know kind of a thief I was emotionally abusive and disrespectful towards women I used my friends I was just not a great person and when I see these people who are moving on and doing bigger better things regardless of how I feel about them I understand that there's a reason why I got left behind. I feel like I've been living my own afterlife. And that's okay. I would never wish anything ill on anybody. I, um... Because of all that, I feel like I have been working on trying to be a better person for these last couple of years, as I said, whatever that whatever that means, whatever it means to be a good person or a better person. I just want to be in a position to be good to other people and be able to provide for other people. Like I don't ever want anyone to feel like they can't turn to me for something. So yeah, that's what I'm working on going forward, trying to be trying to be good to myself so that I can be good for other people. You know, so that I can be good to other people. So I can I'm just working on trying not to be, you know, the everyone's favorite everyone's favorite phrase these days, toxic. Trying not to be that person anymore cuz it doesn't feel good and it leaves you pretty lonely. Now I do have a few friends, a few acquaintances, uh, you know, a couple of people, um, you know who you are, I've talked to you about this before, but there's like two or three of you out there, two or three people, and the reason I do everything I do is for them, a couple of friends, a couple of family members just the driving the driving forces the motivation you know the bright light that I you know my bright light in the world these people these relationships have to have most of the reason I picked up a camera is because of you know these people so to the people who are still in my life thank you and I am only going to work on trying to be better to you and better for you because at the end of the day all we really have is each other um, you know we all die alone and it would just be nice not to die 
alone. <laughs> okay. I want to be cremated anyway. Like, that's what I mean. Like, no matter where they find like, if they, if they find me, cremate my shit, throw me in the ocean, baby. That's what I want. And that's, that's on record now, so. Anyway, that's that. Million Ex-Girlfriends pod. Until next time. Fucking be good to people. Always. Oh,